Welcome to Boating Insights. This is a podcast about achieving your boating dreams, brought to you by Above and Beyond Boating. We deliver the leading courses to skipper your own boat. Well, hi there. Welcome back to Boating Insights. My name is Neil Driscoll, and today the insight I'm going to be sharing with you is looking at taking a break while you're out kind of mid-passage or out on a trip. So just to give you a little bit of context behind this, I'm hoping that what what I'll be sharing today should be applicable for you, whether or not you're kind of a, a local adventurer, coastal explorer, or a you know blue water skipper. Also should be relevant for power and sail, and I've kind of got some different ideas for you, obviously, because there's some nuances that come with each type of vessel. But really, first of all, what I want to do is kind of give you a bit of context around why you might be taking a break mid-passage because um, it might sound like a funny idea and then then we'll look at the how and finally we'll kind of look at from uh, just sort of on a, a local level how you might play this up if you're looking at kind of major trips. So first of all, when I'm talking about taking a break, it, it, it's kind of simple but it, it really comes down to the idea that you want one you want to keep everything fun but also you want to keep things safe so you know if you are out and the trip is um you know as we have in the australian weather forecast you know they'll often say that the wind gusts could be um be up to 40 percent stronger than the average is given here and the waves may be up to twice the height and there will be a fair few days that you go out that the wind will be 40 percent stronger than the average is given and the waves will be twice the height and yeah, put another couple of complexities in and you, you can be having a slightly bigger day than you were looking for. What I want to show you here is a few ideas that you can do so that you can kind of depressure that and hopefully obviously keep safe but also just turn what might have started to feel like a bit of a uh, bit of an epic to try and just get somewhere that it actually you know hopefully we can turn it into a, something which is you know quite good fun and you know, as usual, this does come back to my, you know, magic stop, think, act, you know, because it does give you a chance to pause and reflect. And, you know, many times I've kind of debriefed a trip with people that they had a major, major trip, particularly when they're trying to kind of do a delivery home from somewhere, that I think if they had kind of just paused and done something similar to what we're talking about now, they, you know, as they say, can't see the wood for the trees, which obviously you don't get many trees out in the ocean. But I think that in many of these situations, if it feels like you're having a bit of a major, if you can find a way of just slowing the boat down or stopping and just giving yourself a bit of a rest, sometimes a, a, a different way of kind of achieving the passage might might present itself to you that wasn't immediately clear and standing out while you were just kind of relentlessly bashing through waves or you know, maybe with a few people not feeling very well or a combination of all of the above. So the, the taking a break's about it's about managing fatigue. It's um you know also having this in your kind of inventory so that if you've got um you know potentially a, a relatively major um maintenance issue arise that you need to give some attention to. Um when I say relatively major it doesn't have to be like oh goodness the boat's sinking it could just be that the dinghies come free and we want to re-secure it in a you know in a calm and safe manner without exposing someone to being at risk or 
you know, a big one is also um, that lots of people who, not everyone, seasickness is a very unique um, issue which will affect different people in different ways. But lots of people who feel seasick, once they've had a chance, you know, the term sea legs, once they've had a chance to kind of get out and if they weren't feeling great, if you can then actually find a way that the boat's kind of calm and relatively flat um, or even if you can kind of get in the lee of a headland or something like that, that lots of people actually then kind of bounce back at that point and if they can kind of rehydrate and, you know, just generally sort themselves out physically. Um, they'll normally, a lot of people will recover at that point. Not everyone, unfortunately, I'm afraid this isn't a silver bullet. Otherwise, um, it would be, it'd be much more widely known. But, you know, I've found lots of time when people are feeling a bit iffy or they're on the edge that if you can find a way of just giving giving them a chance to kind of regroup and find their sea legs, they'll, they'll feel a lot better straight away. Now, the other thing is then, on bigger trips and as I say we'll get on to that but um also yeah you got to just think of this in a way that if you've got particularly if you've got short-handed crews and for any number of reasons like I mentioned seasickness obviously medical issues could be another one but if you then have people who are able to contribute decrease and you've got less of them then the fatigue is likely to creep in a lot more quickly and having a few kind of ideas that mean that if it is all becoming a bit too much for the remaining crew uh, that you've got sort of a few options can can make a massive difference because you've got to remember as well if that fatigue keeps building and building there's a massive potential safety issue that can come up from you know, needing to make decisions about avoiding boats when you're coming into pilotage. And, you know, Murphy's Law, if you actually then found yourself in a a worse scenario where you're, um, you're heavily fatigued and you're running into a, a situation where something's going wrong on board, the better rested you can be going into that you know the the hopefully the more chance you've got of drawing on you know knowledge to make good decisions and hopefully have a you know a positive outcome so let's just keep start off by keeping this fairly simple i um i i actually i was out in the water a few mornings ago and i was just having a an early morning paddleboard in sydney harbour and there was a bit of swell running and it was funny as i kind of just ducked in behind uh one of the headlands that i you know i like to go and just have a little explore and see if the dolphins are out then um you know it had gone from reasonably bumpy to incredibly calm and flat and i was taken back to my first atlantic crossing as i did it and it was sort of the inspiration behind this podcast was just amazing how in a couple of minutes i was really kind of quite exposed to the oceanic swell and having a lot of fun but really quite bumpy and then suddenly just in this beautiful calm environment and reminded me a lot of the first time we sailed into Antigua and you know after 12 days at sea and waves that were generally bigger than any house I had ever lived in for nearly two weeks and then within five minutes you're in this mirror calm harbour and the whole world and everything on deck has changed completely and and I thought it's this is something we should really highlight for people because 
yes, you know when you get there or you hopefully if you're doing your passage planning, you've gone through our various courses, whatever level that might be that you've learned about bolt holes and you're building this into your passage plan. But also it's it's that on passage bolt hole. So first of all, if you're I'm just going to start looking at motor cruisers and heading out, you know, often if you're heading out for a dive spot or a fishing fishing spot or to get to a destination you know the beauty of having the engines driving the boat you're not having to think about the wind and so it could be that you are bashing into you know wind against tide which hopefully you've planned for that but you know you might find that the swells at a bit of an uncomfortable angle just a couple of things i wanted to kind of highlight for you one sometimes just actually dropping off the speed and doing a you know a short run that's away from the destination might allow you to actually kind of change the angle of the swell interacting with the boat and give you an entirely different journey so it might be that you just did for example on a 40 50 mile trip you might just do three or four miles seemingly in the wrong direction but you know just think about triangles for a minute so that that then completely changes the angle to your kind of destination that you've got for the swell and how it's inter or sea and swell and how it's interacting with the boat so you've got that side of things that's not really taking a break hopefully that's fairly obvious just you know good seamanship the other the other side is just remembering that you can actually just back off the engines or engine keep the bow into the waves to keep the uh keep the boat safe and just gently ticking forwards and and just give you a chance to kind of regroup, check the boat. If things are coming loose and not stowed how you wanted them, it's much easier to kind of sort that out while the boat's not bashing around. And it's something which people really forget about is that this is something that you can do to just kind of back the boat off. I've often done it even if people just need to go to the bathroom. You know, it makes a massive difference for the person that's trying to go to and use the bathroom. And... Um, and it really doesn't impact the, the, the long-term trip and it can completely change the dynamic on board and just give you a chance to do a few extra checks and keep everything safe. So just remember that one, very, very simple, but um, just actually keeping the power into the waves, dropping the power right back to kind of tick over and and just however long that might be, but giving you time to check, regroup, hydrate, get some food, whatever whatever you uh, could do with doing on, on, on board. Uh, and it's not likely to have a big impact on the trip. And then, obviously, the other thing was maybe going in in the in a different direction, so that you you're kind of regrouping, and you're not bashing into swell, which also hopefully could lead to a bigger advantage later. Now, for the sailors, you know whether you've learned it in your own experience or from going through uh, sailing modules or of the online skipper course, you know the options you've got there for you know heaving to and setting up the boat so that you can just take a break that's great the other thing is remembering that you can also look at adjusting the course so it's particularly i find when you've got racers that are learning to cruise they forget that you don't have to be doing the best course to windward all the time and just bashing the boat into the swell and that you know you might drop off you know i work on a rule of thumb that you know starting from a close hold maybe 40 degrees to the wind that for every meter of swell just bear away by another five degrees and just start making the boat a bit more comfortable. But you don't always have to do that just because you've got, you know, a two, three, four meter swell that you've got to start making these course adjustments. You can also just, you know, do it and find a more comfortable course. Um, obviously, remembering you can also motor sail at times that people forget. 
But the big one is just becoming comfortable with heaving to and getting the boat stopped under sail. Now, if you've got a self-tacking headsail or catamaran or long keel boat, you might actually find that this comes from, you know, taking the headsail out of play, be it furling, dropping, whatever your system is, and basically bringing the mainsail in tight so the boat just sits there sort of head to wind. And all your other option is um, trying to actually properly heave to. And it depends on the boat characteristics. And, you know, we've gone through a lot of that for you in the online skipper already, but really just a reminder for you to get out there and, and put this into practice and and know how you would stop the boat under sail and give yourself a chance to have a break for all, all the reasons I've already highlighted in this episode. Now, for all boats, there's also, you know, it's a lot of time that you'll be out at sea or in scenarios where it's just not feasible to um, drop an anchor um, or pick up a mooring, basically, because you you know it's too deep or um the holding wouldn't be suitable or it's a you know for example there might be a an island and it's protected reef or seagrass or you know whatever there's any number of reasons why you might not be able to actually stop but amazing when you can actually just take a bit of a break and have a look and uh and find you know particularly somewhere that you might be able to duck into much like going back to my paddleboard example you may well just hold station while you're there but just flatten the boat out, check the bilges, tidy up, give the heads a clean if you've been at the sea for a couple of days, make the make the entire, obviously not the two jobs at the same time, but make the galley and the whole boat just more hygienic. Um, no doubt people probably lost a few things, but just if you can get a few hours, give a few people a chance to get some rest, you know, check the levels on the engine. You might, you know, if you can more, great, but even if you can just duck in somewhere behind a headland, behind an island, you know, depending on the tide navigational constraints behind a reef, um, make a massive, massive difference to just the fatigue, the hygiene, the safety. And, you know, also often you'll um, just find relatively minor maintenance issues, you know, a, a hatch that's come slightly loose, a stopper knot that's come out of a rope, a split ring that's come off that's a really easy fix. You know, you see the split rings come off while the guardrail's still in place rather than after someone's gone into it and fallen overboard or you know you've seen the hatch is you know just needs tightening and resecuring rather than after the water's flooded through it and into the boat and so on and so forth so give if you can find options for giving yourself a, a way that you can kind of duck in somewhere and do this it's great and i'd go so far as to say if you can, while you're just kind of building experience and starting to undertake, I'm really now looking at the coastal explorers here. Um, if you can find ways that you actually build some of this into your passage plan, you know, like, yeah, we're going on a trip from, you know, A to B, but we're on the way, we're going to just um, gonna duck in behind this headland and have lunch, just building experience, because none of it's hard, but it's just reminding yourself so that, at the point you're becoming fatigued or you've got you know more than 50 percent of the working crew seasick or major mechanical issues that you're drawing on previous experience oh yeah do you remember that time that neil suggested like ducking in behind a headland we actually did it we could do that again today like we've had a look at the chart and yes we've got our stop off contingency ports but we've also highlighted these three places that you know if the if the weather or any number of reasons mean that we might need to stop that we can and that's what we're going to do today just to kind of get a bit of experience even just an hour 
um, can make a massive difference. Give everyone a chance to go to the bathroom and you know have some food while the boat's flat. And as, as I say, also sort of sort out any kind of basic maintenance and hygiene issues that might might need addressing on board. Now I mentioned this earlier. You know, I talked about the bigger trips for the blue water skippers. So one of the things that I'm uh, that kind of drove where I'm going to. I remember helping a couple years ago, and they were getting ready to sail two up over to New Zealand. Um, and you know, one of my concerns was the fatigue. If yeah, you know, one if the autopilot they had a backup system, but if they ended up at a point that they were basically hand steering, generally, if you talk to people that have done more than probably 10 to 15 ocean passages, they will have at least one up their sleeve that they ended up having to hand steer for a fair chunk of it. And they'll talk to you about how important it is to have this autopilot. But, you know, the fatigue, if someone is steering the whole time as well as everything else that needs to happen while you're standing a watch on your own is massive. So one of the things I wanted to set up was a really easy way that they could kind of have a sea anchor. This one I actually did where it was like a, um, the, the parachute system that was just deployed very easily from a bag with a trip line. And, you know, we practiced it a couple of times. We actually had, um, we had a full, um, a, a perfectly the weather played, played ball for us. And we, you know, we had a, a full meal, um, in a gale, uh, with the parachute out and we had a drift rate on a 30 ton boat of 0.2 of a knot speed over ground um and bow stayed perfectly into the um into the conditions and it really was not that big a deal to organize because we'd sort of planned how we're going to do it to organize uh hoisting this back out the water and using the trip line afterwards a bit involved but you know not not that big a deal and it just the comfort for them going out to you know undertake a trip of over a thousand miles albeit stopping off at an island on the way um but knowing that this is something that if needed that you could just put a sea anchor out and catch your breath even if you couldn't actually repair the issue but you could just you know manage the fatigue and not be sailing towards land becoming progressively more exhausted as you you know arrive at an unknown location or an unfamiliar location so many times this has kind of come up but it's again if you are already that fatigued and you're facing the idea of like getting that kind of bit of equipment out of the lazarette that you're not really sure where it is and you've never used it and you're in the middle of the ocean and you're already wrecked, you're never going to do it. Whereas if you're drawing down on prior experience and something that you know how it's going to work, you know how it's set up, hopefully you've actually left it as easy to use as possible and you know what the benefits are going to be. With a reasonable chance, you might give yourself a rest. And we've all been in, in experiences um, in life. Uh, you know, it's pushed onto us, you know, for obvious reasons on the road about realising how important it is when we're, when we're just exhausted to stop and have a rest. And I think at sea, it's, it's quite easy to forget that this is an option. Um, I mean, I know when I used to first teach people offshore ocean sailing, they if they were really new to it, they were often quite surprised when they found out that there wasn't somewhere for us to stop each night. Um, but, you know, as you kind of get into the swing of it, you just go, oh, no, it's what we do. And I'm not suggesting that you need to stop all the time, but I'm just, I want to make sure that whether you are just doing short trips where, you know, you might just be bashing around a local harbour or uh, somewhere and, and just kind of getting yourself used to the fact that even then, you know, if 
people are a bit uncomfortable or it was a bit rough or cold that you can nip in behind a headland and get some jackets on or you know f- further out to in coastal exploring that there are options available for you either dropping off power heaving to again you know taking shelter behind some kind of land or reef uh all the way through to for example using sea anchors when you're out doing trips that might be you know maybe upwards of seven days these are all transferable skills and things that you can start to build into your basic trip so that you're just used to thinking in a seaman-like manner that you are looking after the crew and the boat and yourself and that you've got ways that you can actually kind of take take stock of the situation and get a rest so thanks very much for listening i um you know we've a lot of what we're covering here is just a bit of kind of snippets from the online skipper course but uh you know from the passage planning we obviously go through this for the essential navigation seamanship through to the day skipper uh which you know part of the complete skipper course and then finally the um yacht master so wherever you're at we've got something for you and uh you know if you've got any questions please get in touch thanks for listening